Good evening and welcome to Insight. I am Gino, your host, and sitting next to me, as usual, Mr. Matt Van Braben. Is it Pastor Matt Van Braben yet? Do we have that certificate? Yet? <laughs> you, think you think? I, I, yeah, I think so. I just, I, I got to get the certificate in the mail, but either way, awesome. I completed the credit hours. Congratulations. I did all, I did all my classes. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. You did all the classes in what about seven months, and it should take what two years? <laughs> yeah, like I did. A, I did two years worth of classes in just over five months. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a grind, but you did it. Mm -hmm. I survived. Brain clear. Excellent. Congratulations, Matthew. Tonight we have our returning guest, Tramiko Thweet, who is coming back for her record breaking seventh appearance on insight live in fact i was just texting with ac and i said miko's about to break your record i think you guys were tied uh so she is the current world record holder on insight we will be sending uh you know youtube sends those little plaques or something i don't know we'll, we'll come up with something <laughs> right right so, now we appreciate miko so much uh miko how are you i am doing very well i'm thriving excellent good to see you uh, it's been a minute. I, I checked and I was thinking, okay, we try to stay on that like six week thing, but I don't think you were here since like July. Yeah, that's, I, I checked back. It's yeah. In about three months. I don't know what happened. <laughs> we <laughs> lost track of time, I guess, or something. I, I can't even keep track anymore. The time goes so fast. I, I mean, know, we're already, we're almost at New Year's again. Like, how did that happen? Mm -hmm, exactly. Like it's, it's crazy. It's and you did a teaching on Halloween last year, right about the same time. That. Yep. And that was, that went by like, you know, like I snapped my fingers. It's already it been a did. year. It so, really did. I'm absolutely fine. incredible. So we can't waste it. We can't. We can't. Matt, you're jumping around again with your video, but don't worry about it. We'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I can't help it. Must be your, your internet connection or something, but it'll it'll eventually work out. Uh, our good friend D. Patty is out there in the audience. Good to see you, D. Patty. Always Okay, so Miko, what are we going to discuss tonight? So we are going to be talking about the armor of God. Um, I'm just really right now into teaching about warfare and making sure that God's people understand how to successfully engage in warfare. And a part of that is understanding the armor of God, knowing how to wear the armor of God. Um, Gino and I were just talking before um, we got started tonight, and I had been in this like two-year ordeal of a ridiculous lawsuit where my neighbor was trying to steal land from me and everything that um, I that God has taught me about warfare, wearing the armor of God, I did every last lick of that. And that is what gave me the victory because everything naturally was stacked against me. So it is through God that I got this victory and I know it because he told me what to do. So. I'm just going to be sharing some, this is just the tip of the iceberg of some things that the Lord has taught me in warfare. Um, so I thought that tonight we could start talking about the armor of God and just really make sure that we know what those pieces of armor are, how to properly wear those arm, the armor and how to skillfully use the armor. Um, because if we don't know those three things, then we are going to be ineffective in, in protecting ourselves from the enemy and warring against the enemy. Amen to that. And uh, I have a feeling this broadcast will not include the Second Amendment from our Constitution. This is a different kind of warfare. <laughs> you will not need a weapon. <laughs> this is... You're going to need them, but it's not going to be hard. 
these are spiritual. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, okay, I'm, I've been looking forward to this. Um, we've got a bunch of scriptures to go over to, so why don't we get right at it? Um, Matt, any words before we get started? Any questions, comments? Uh, no, let's do it. Let's go. Let's All get right. into it. Sounds okay. good. So first thing I want to just say, just to set everyone's mindset about war, because um, I was just talking to some friends about this. And a lot of times it seems that when people view Jesus, they view him as this boho, hippie, cool, in love with everybody. But Jesus is also the lion of the tribe of Judah. God is a skillful warrior. He knows how to wage war and he, he demolishes his enemies. And so as children of God, he wants to make sure we also know how to engage in this spiritual warfare and be conquerors just as he is a conqueror. Um, and if we have this wrong mindset and we don't have this soldier mindset, if we don't understand what war is, you're going to get plummeted. And unfortunately, I see a lot of people that say they love Jesus, that say they are Christians, they are not successful when it comes to their life because the enemy is waging war against them, whether they want to be in that war or not. And they're losing because they don't know what to do. So one thing I want to state is that war is defined as intense armed conflict between governments. So we know the kingdom of God is one government and the kingdom of darkness that belongs to Satan is another government. And so it is intense armed conflict between governments characterized by aggression, violence, destruction, and immense mortality. That is the mindset of the enemy. They're coming with aggressiveness. They're going to come against us with violence. They're going to come against us trying to destroy us. And they ultimately want to take us out. So if your mindset isn't a mindset that I am every day I wake up, I am in a spiritual war and I need to make sure that I'm dressed in my armor, you are going to get plummeted. And that is the best way I can say that. And then another thing that we need to understand about war, and then we'll get into the armor, is that war is all about attrition. And I saw that for sure when I was in this two-year ordeal. So attrition is the action or process of gradually reducing the strength or effectiveness of someone so that through sustained attacks and pressure, they will weaken, buckle, and fold. And most of the time, what's happening is Satan and his kingdom are really good at attrition. And so they tend to wear people down to the point where they give up, they're depressed, they commit suicide, they can't fight no more, they can't pray no more, they don't know what to do no more, and they just quit. And so the enemy wins. We have to be just as skillful in attrition to push back and to gradually reduce the strength of Satan and the kingdom of darkness so that they fold, not us. And so God is not pervasively seeing that with his children. And that is very alarming and concerning. But when you understand war, when you understand the weapons that God has given us, when you understand the armor he's given us, and then when you also understand the kingdom of darkness and how they operate, all of that knowledge, all of that wisdom and skill set will cause you to be effective. And it has been many years, I would say probably a good 15 years or more that the Lord has been teaching me warfare. 
no matter what I try to do to get away from like deliverance or warfare or whatever like that, it always comes back to that because that is what God, that's the lane that God has put me in. And I'm very good at that. I'm very effective at that. And I know how to win. I win my battles. I don't lose my battles. So I am really excited when I can teach other people this because what I'm teaching is not something that I, is not tested and proven. It's something that I've been living constantly, battle after battle after battle after battle. And it seems like the next battle is more intense than the last battle. And I have to take all that skill set that the Lord gave me into the next battle. And then he teaches me more and more in that battle. And then I know something else is going to come down the road. So with that, let's get into the armor of God. There is a one, reason. Oh, ahead, one second, sorry. though. Yeah, no. I want to touch on this attrition thing because I'm so glad you brought up attrition endurance we have to battle the entire battle you don't quit in the middle of the battle and i think christians have been brainwashed in fact we just talked about this on our sunday night show christians have gotten wrapped up in the rapture okay whether the rapture is pre-trib mid-trib post-trib it matters nothing to me personally um, it will happen he will come back that's going to be an awesome day i wish it was yesterday <laughs> it wasn't but maybe it's tomorrow i don't know but we have to fight daily we don't sit on our hands and do nothing. We need to know our callings. We need to know our skills and talents, the things he's given us to do and, and occupy until he comes. But while you occupy, there is going to be warfare. And this, this warfare is intense. I know I'm going through it right now too. I know Matt's going through stuff. Miko, you just said you oh, came yeah. out of this trial, but these, <clears throat> the attrition is where it builds character. Yes. That's where we, that's where we're being tested in our faith. To see if we're going to endure. God already knows the end from the beginning. But it's to tell, to show us where our weaknesses are. I have found chinks in my armor over the last year and a half of dealing with this stuff that I didn't know were there. So he exposed them through the attrition. Yeah. But I've continued to fight. I haven't given up. And But there's so many Christians, Miko, that'll just throw in the towel and say, oh, God will take care of this fight for me. No, God is... <laughs> God is test. God is putting you through it. He's helping. He's not. He's not. Uh, he doesn't. How do I say this? He he doesn't have evil in him, but he will use evil to refine you and put you through the fire. Um, and I'm pretty sure you're going to go down that road here in a little bit, Miko. So I'm not going to. I don't want to spoil. No. It. So let me just pick it back up where <laughs> yeah. you are, mm -hmm. and then I'll go for it. So what we have to understand when you study scripture, tribulation, persecution, and affliction comes from the enemy to destroy us because of the word God gives us. God gives us the word and the enemy's like, before they can really believe that word and that word, they become one with that word, I have to steal it from them so that they don't become solidified in that. So that's when the enemy brings temptation. That's when he brings tribulation. That's when he brings um, you know, persecution and affliction and all these different things. So. It's not God saying, I have nothing better to do. I'm going to put you through these things. He's like, no, before Jesus left, he told, he set right expectations for his disciples. He said, they're going to come. They're going to hate you. They're going to try to kill you. They're going to do all these different things. It's not because God like, well, I got nothing better to do. I want to build your character. He's like, no, there's an enemy out here and you need to know what's coming before I get out of here. So you have a right mindset. And today's church is not properly giving people the right mindset. People are thinking they get money, houses, and cars while the enemy like, great, focus on that while I destroy you because you are not focused on the right things. And so 
what God can do in the midst of that tribulation that he didn't bring, in the midst of that persecution that he didn't bring, in the midst of that affliction, he's going to he's going to help you see how to build strength where you're weak. He's also going to show you where you're strong and you need to maintain that and a whole host of other knowledge and skills that he can give us in the midst of that battle. But you can't just go into a battle not knowing how to fight. If you're trying to learn how to fight in the battle, more than likely you're probably going to get destroyed unless you are just really a person that will persevere through. So the time to learn how to fight is before you get into these intense battles because they're coming because we have an enemy out here. So we got to make sure that we understand there's an enemy. He wants to see our destruction. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, not because God put him up to it. God is like, Satan turned against me. He was Lucifer. He turned into Satan, the devil. He's going to do what he, he's going to do, which is evilness. That's why I'm telling you as my child, you need to wear armor. You need to do all these different things because as you said, the false mindset that most Christians have is that, oh, God's going to do it for me. Well, if he's going to do it for you, why did he give you weapons and armor? Because he's not going to do it for you. He's already done it spiritually. And he left and went back to heaven. You're the one in the earth. So you're the one that's going to have to fight this battle in the earth. He's not coming back down here to his second advent. And as Gino said, we don't know when that's going to be. So in the meantime, it behooves us to understand that we have an enemy, that we are at war, that we got to get very skillful at attrition to wear the enemy down before the enemy can wear us down. And I think I had made the statement before where there is um, a friend of mine who ended up uh, doing some type of like, uh, they went to a holistic doctor, which was really a witch doctor and they didn't realize it. Um, and through this whole process, uh, she already had a demon in her that was causing uh, like cancer attacks in her body. And they, they knew it, but they allow other people to talk them out of knowing that. And so in the midst of this process of her getting pumped with more demons through which she took from the witch doctor, which she thought was a holistic doctor, the, the main demon that was in her actually spoke up and said that he's basically been watching how confused they are and told them, I'm going to outlast both of you. Talking about the husband and the wife, but the demon was in the wife. So it's attrition. That demon's like, yeah, I got this. I'm about to outlast all of y'all and we're all y'all down and I'm gonna take her life. That's where you have to fight. And if you don't have that soldier, aggressive, I'm going to destroy you mentality when it comes against Satan, we're not talking about people because spirits work through people, but our attack is never to the person. It's to the demons, the principalities, powers behind the individual. So I wanna make that clear. Okay, so- Getting into the armor, as I stated, God has given us armor. If we choose to be disobedient and not put this armor on every day, you want to put it on every Thursday instead of every day or every month, every other, uh, every other month instead of every day in every month, then the consequences are going to be catastrophic and we'll have nobody to blame but ourselves. So let's look at where God informs us first about this armor and then we'll go piece by piece. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter six, and I am going to be reading verses 10 through 18 in the New King James Version. And here God informs us through Paul. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord so we can be weak 
and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Pause. He didn't say put on pieces of the armor, some of the armor, the pieces that you fancy the most. You better put it all on. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. If I say it in reverse, if you do not put the armor on, if you do not put the whole armor on, you will not be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So don't be shocked when you lose. 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not fighting people, people. We are fighting spirits. It says, but against principalities, those are spirits, against powers, those are spirits against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Those are spirits against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Those are spirits. 13 says, therefore, take up the whole, he says it again, whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. If you don't do this, you will not be able to withstand and having done all to stand. Now he's going to inform us what the pieces of armor are. 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the one people leave out. This is a part of our armor. 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to the end, to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Okay, so what we're gonna do is one by one, start to go through these pieces of armor how you put it on, how you use it. And I'm going to parallel it to natural pieces of armor so that we can really make sure that we understand this. But what we have to know at the onset of this, if we do not do this, if we don't put the whole armor of God on, you will not conquer the enemy. So don't look to God, be like, what happened? You is what happened. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. So one thing that I'm going to start out saying is, I hear a lot of teaching about the way that you put the armor of God on is that you pray it on. You cannot pray the armor of God on no more than you can pray your clothes on your body every day. So what God is going to show us through this lesson is how you put it on. Because when you really start to understand what the armor is, you will see it is impossible for you to pray that on. It is things that you literally have to put on and walk in every single day. And again, I'm speaking from experience through years of experience. You cannot pray this on. Okay, so let's start with the belt of truth. Let's talk about what a natural belt does. Then we can take a look at what a spiritual belt does the, of truth. So a natural belt secures or supports our pants from falling. Truth. And we're going to look at what truth is. We got to see what this belt of truth is. We're going to see truth is the word of God. So truth supports or secures us from falling and being exposed and embarrassed, just like a natural belt does. The source of truth, as we're going to see in these couple of scriptures that we're going to go to, is the word of God. So 
let's take a look at the scriptures. Let me explain it a little more and then I'll pause for any questions or comments. So let's start out going to Psalm 119 and we're going to look at verse 160 in the English Standard Version. God reveals to us the psalm through the psalmist. The psalm of your word is truth. So the person that wrote this psalm is telling God, the sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. So here we know everything that God speaks, that is what truth is. It is not your truth, her truth, my truth. There's only one truth. There's an absolute truth. And it's only what God says in his word. If it doesn't match what he said, it is not true. That's how you know what truth is and what is not. That is why we have to study to show ourselves approved. Because when I know the word of God, when someone speaks something, I instantly know whether that is the word and God said it. And I know instantly whether God did not say that. And that is not the word. Okay, let's look at one more scripture on the word of God is true. So let's go to John 17 and 17. And I'm going to read in the English standard version this, which says, this is Christ talking to the father. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So the belt of truth is us wearing the word of God, using that in our life every single day to make sure that we don't fall for lies, to make sure that we are secure from these attacks of deceit from the enemy and so that we don't fall and become embarrassed. So let me explain how to wear this belt of truth. You must daily wear the belt of truth to protect yourself from the deceit and lies of Satan and the kingdom of darkness by daily studying and meditating in God's word and then filtering everything someone says and someone does through the word of God. That's how you wear the belt of truth. So every day in my life, when people speak to me as they operate and do things, and I even examine myself through this, are they saying what God said? Do they practice what God said? If they don't, what they're operating in is a lie. When they tell me something that does not match what God said, you are lying to me. You are deceiving me. And so when I filter everything that comes my way, because that's the thing, Satan and demons are hoping they can get someone in your life to start filling it up with deceit and lies. And if you don't catch it by filtering everything they do and say through the word of God, you're not securing yourself by wearing the belt of truth. You can't pray that on. It's something you have to do every single day. And that's why I don't fall victim to stuff because I measure everything people say and do by the word of God. And I can say, nope, that's not of God. Yep, that is of God. Yes, I will let you enter my life. No, I will not let you enter my life because that is gonna open up Pandora's box and I don't have time for that. So let me pause there. Are there any questions, thought on this first piece of armor, how, what it is and how you wear it and use it? Well, I have a comment because I know there's lots of Christians. There's lots of lazy Christians. None in this audience, though, because I know these guys and women. <laughs> they're they're proactive. But there are, I know, I've been in the churches. I've seen it over and over again. These, They just wait for things to happen, like miracles are just going to happen. They snap their finger and call things as though they be, even though they're not, and all that stuff. And they just don't want to do the hard work. They don't want to dig in and get dirty. Yeah. And 
the word of God teaches us over and over again that this is the playbook. The playbook is we are to be interactive with him and understanding what you're saying. The, the belt is so important. I mean, it does save us from embarrassment for sure. We don't want our pants falling down in public, especially if you're in a battle, right? And I know like um, you can use the old, uh, the, the Roman uh, uh, gladiators and warriors, they would wear the belt to keep the, um, to keep all their stuff together in there so that it wouldn't fall out and they would get stabbed and die from a, the sword wound or something. So it's important to understand that. I guess there's going to be people out there that say, well, wait a minute, wait, this is works. This is, they, they're conflating it with works and, and we're, we're, you know, saved by faith. This has nothing to do with your salvation. This has to do with winning the battles of life daily. And I've, I've heard this argument. That's the only reason I'm bringing this up. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's a really good point. Yeah, they're not the same. Salvation is different from, from winning daily battles against the enemy and, and overcoming. Um, so we don't want to conflate the two. So it's not works. It's it's something you're called to do. It's something we're commanded to do, to, to go out and engage the enemy. He's already equipped us. He's given us the weapons of our warfare. We already, we you know, Miko's going to go over all of them tonight. But it's important to understand that there's a distinction. I just wanted to make that clear. Matt, anything? Um, I think one of the biggest things is, um, I think one of the biggest areas that people struggle with is their understanding. So I think there needs to be more emphasis on seeking understanding in things. And I don't think people are clear on understanding truth as a whole. Now, you, Miko just kind of broke it down in a way that, that kind of made it pretty clear. But I think the average person's on their understanding of truth is actually not only seeing like you're not only seeing what the word says but what it's implying also so you have to you have to look further into it and so i don't think a lot of people especially people in some of the churches that i've been into i don't think they have a complete understanding on what that truth is and so it's kind of i guess it would be hard for them to put that belt on without having that understanding i mean i think we suffer the most from a lack of understanding Exactly. No, and you're absolutely right. And that is one of the biggest concerns about God um, that he has about people right now, right? Because why don't you know what truth is? And I, I blame some of that on churches because they need to do better with making sure people really understand the word of God, what his word says. That was the job back in Old Testament. That was the job of priests and prophets. Prophets gave the word of God, but priests' job was to teach people so that they understood what God's word said so that they can live it. And today, as pastors and teachers and evangelists and things like that, if we're not teaching exactly what God said and leading people according to the scriptures, that's a huge fault on spiritual leaders. But then there's also a blame on the individuals too, because God commissions us to study to show ourselves approved. So it's right. it's, it's kind of a two in one here where for me, I realized when I was in certain places, a traditional church, I was not learning things. So I knew that I had to seek God for Lord, teach me as I read the scriptures. And then if you can give me a mentor, eventually send me a mentor. There's a, I had to be proactive about my spiritual education because the that's traditional right. church was not proactive about my spiritual education. And so that's the way I like to phrase that because everyone knows naturally you go to school and you need to be proactive. It's kind of like, so here's the thing. I will liken it like this. Spiritual education is like going to college or university. 
if you come, don't come. The professor cares not. You the one paying for these classes. So you either going to get your education or you not at the end of the day. It's, it's up to you. There's no one going to be there. Your mom's not there like, honey, get out the bed. You got to be in class at this time. You have to be proactive. You have to learn to be responsible and accountable when you go away to college. It is the same thing with spiritual education. There's nobody going to be there pumping and priming you to study and meditate in the word of God. Either you're going to learn it or you're not going to learn it and you're going to get defeated. Either way, it is on you. So we have to start to make the decision to become very proactive. If you're in an environment where you go week after week and you're not learning anything, you need to stop going to that place if you're not learning anything, because what is it doing for your spiritual growth? Probably not much. So I think that's a very good point, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Adam Hogapug says, churches deliberately ignorant of God's word, question mark. Um, I don't think it would be deliberately ignorant of God's word. I think it goes back to the same context that I was talking about. It's a lack of understanding. The problem is we add to and we take away. We, we make the words that we make the word subjective and we add feelings to it. It's it's pretty plain. It's pretty plain and simple what the word says. There, there's no adding or taking away from it. It is the it is the written scripture of truth. And so I think that's that's what may happen in some church situations is that they don't emphasize enough um they don't emphasize enough what the word is actually projecting what the word is saying i don't think that they're deliberately ignorant if that answers your question yeah i don't think we should paint with a broad brush i mean everybody's no. different all churches are different there's you know different levels of maturity in the church there's pastors that are great teachers um at some things and not so good at others so you know it's I think in general, it's, I think it usually comes down to laziness, to be honest. I just think people don't want to spend time. They don't want to take the time to either watch a video or learn something new. They're kind of stuck in their old habits. I think that's probably the, the, the crux of the problem. Uh, and, mm -hmm. but in the day and age we're living in, man, you, you, there's, we can't afford to be lazy. It's just, no. it's. We are living in, you know, where they're calling things good that are evil. I mean, so it's it's that time that, you know, Jesus preached about. So, okay, Nico, say, let's, uh, there, oh, sorry. No, there, and I think this is a good discussion because there, let me make sure I put this on record. There are remnants of churches, right, that are doing what they should do. But that's the problem. It's just a remnant. And people are trying to find these remnants. And it's hard to find because it's not pervasive. I come from a background of knowing people that are spiritual leaders i'm talking about bishops i'm talking about pastors i'm talking about mm -hmm. different sects and whatever areas of and these jokers don't know a whole lot and i'm talking about i'm not talking about the remnant i'm talking about the majority because we know christ said that there's a road that's broad that leads to hell that's where the many are the few are the ones that are on the straight and narrow and it is that way with churches so you do have a remnant that's doing what they should do but there's a lot of people they don't study as spiritual leaders they heard a message that someone preached and it was like oh they got a lot of hooping and hollering going on and people stood up i'm gonna take that same message i'm just gonna change the title this is literally what i heard people say so this is not something i'm making up and it angered me they just took that same message didn't do their research didn't study probably what the person said in their message was inaccurate and they just changed the title yeah. and it's all about likes clicks people liking me people amen me in certain environments in certain environments it's more of a quiet setting um where you know for for their mindset 
it's all about kind of like Jesus is the hippie boho. So we don't want to really get into spiritual warfare. We don't really get want to get into this deliverance. We'll just come, be peaceable, say loving things, and then go home. It's it's all different types from all different yeah. ways. And at the end of the day, are we doing what God said? And that's where the crux of this lesson is that it the fault lies on both sides of the equation. But as That's a right. spiritual leader, you can't call yourself a yes. spiritual leader in God's yep. kingdom and not do what he told you to do. Right. That was that is the problem that God had with the priests back in the day and the prophets when they weren't. If you read Jeremiah, Ezekiel and, his, and mm-hmm. Isaiah, he was laying it out on them. Like, I'm blaming you because you are responsible for leading the people. Now, we know in New Testament, we all can have our individual relationship with God. But unfortunately, the structure of the church has kind of gone back to you look at one person or you look at the people at the top and we just sit back as the congregants. That is not the structure that God designed for his church. Everyone should be a disciple of Christ. Everyone should be doing their due diligence to know the word of God, witnessing to people, baptizing people, casting out demons. It wasn't just for people at the top of the structure. So we've gotten far away from the church that got left in the hands of the apostles um, and the disciples that were back then. And we, we got to get back to that. And if we as individuals, and I'm not talking about pervasively, because we're never going to get to this place where every church does what God said. It is going to be that remnant where we're lockstep with God. And we're going to be the ones at the end that get raptured. We're going to be the ones that spend eternity with God. Churches that are not doing what they should do, they're going to be here during tribulation. So don't look to that. Look to make sure you're doing what God said and to know his word. That's the best way I can put that. So. I think one other problem is there's an extremism in modern day Christianity. You like the word of faith movement. We know that there are things that word of faith teaches that are actually true, mm-hmm. but they've taken it to an extreme and out of balance that it was never meant to be to a place it should have never went. And I think that's kind of where we're at with a lot of these issues, these little things like, you know, the rapture is another good one. Like the rapture, people take it to one extreme or to another instead of just taking it in context and saying, you know what? I'm not 100% sure. Instead of just preaching eschatology like they know it all and they understand every prophecy and Revelation and Daniel and, you know, and and Ezekiel. We have to be very careful when we're parsing God's word. Like we don't just throw it around like it's, you know, (laughs) <laughs> the math book at school or something or, or reading Moby right. Dick or something like it's you have to right. like be careful with it and it's okay to say we don't know sometimes but I think yeah. a lot of pastors have been put on a pedestal where they they feel obligated to answer every question right. because they've yeah. been elevated to a status they should have never been elevated to right. so I think that's we're in a season where I think God is kind of bringing everything back into balance and balance teaching and what you're doing, what you've done every time you come on, Miko, is you go right to the Word, you show where it is in the entire Word of God, you use the entire, uh, it's not just the context of the passage itself, you're using the context of the entire Bible. Yep. And then letting people make the decision, okay, is what she's t- is she teaching correctly? Is she rightly dividing the Word of God? Or is this something she's you know coming off, the, you know, off her cuff with? I've seen a person that ha- does her due diligence. That's what I've seen over and over again. And I appreciate that. And I really... Uh, Thank you so much for that. So, no, I, yeah. I, I I agree with what you just said. There's a scripture that said not many should be teachers because we're gonna get the the worst judgment, like the toughest, strictest judgment. So I take <laughs> yeah, this very right. seriously. If I don't know something, I will tell a person I don't know, but let me research that and I'll get back to you. Uh, and I have done that several times. So yeah, I, 
this girl has her ticket to go spend eternity with God. And I'm not forfeiting that for hell no for way. nobody. So, no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm very careful when teaching the word. And here's the thing. The Bible is just one big conversation that's got, that God is having. If you come in at the beginning, but you don't read the middle through the end, you miss the rest of what he said. If you come in at the end, you miss the middle and the beginning of what he said. If you come in in the middle and you you dip out, you miss the beginning and the end of that. You got to listen. That's why you can't just be an Old Testament head. You can't just be a New Testament head. You have to be the whole Bible head so that you know what did God say? Because he has on one subject, you will find it scattered throughout the whole Bible. But to, to know the mind of God on that one subject, you have to collect every scripture talking about that one subject, digest that and be like, oh, okay, that's what he said. So yeah, I'm very, um, I don't play when it comes to teaching the word of God. If I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to be teaching it. So. And it's okay. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And you, and if exactly. like, I know when I personally taught, if we were in a small Bible study or something, and I don't know something, I'll say, this is my opinion. I make that very clear to whoever I'm speaking to that this is, and even on the show, many times I've done this. This is my opinion on the subject. This is not gospel. Do not take this to the bank. You do your research, figure it out for yourself. Um, and there's, I don't, I think that shows a humility yeah, um, sure. that God wants us to be because no one has it all. None of us have it all. And yeah. there could be things we're teaching for years and years and years. And you think you're teaching it right. You think you've, you know, parsed it correctly and, and used the right context and the concordance and the, you know, you're using all your Bible tools and we could still be wrong at the end of the day. But if you're humble and willing to be corrected and listen to other people's opinions on the subject, I think that's, that's iron sharp, iron sharpening iron. Um, and there's, that's what we're called to do. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I agree. I agree 100%. I think that's one of the, the, the biggest issues that we have is that we, we, we are afraid to admit that we don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's a hard thing for people to do. I know even, even in the trade world, even in the trade world, I came across people constantly where it's like you ask them a question and you could see their eyes glaze over. They give you some random answer and you know that they have no clue about what they're talking about. I'm never going to ask you again for advice because <laughs> I know that you weren't, you weren't humble enough just to tell me, I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. Instead you lead me on some, you know, bunny trail looking for something that doesn't exist, yep. you know? And so that's the thing. I I'm very careful on that. And any messages or any times I've ever taught, I'm very careful to not speak on things that I don't clearly have life experience or understanding of. I'm very yes. careful. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing right there. I mean, that's why I say it's like, you really gotta, you really gotta look for that understanding. The Bible tells us to look for understanding more than anything. Yep. <laughs> and, Absolutely. you know, I mean, we're, we're busy, we're busy chasing, we're busy chasing all these other things. Yep, exactly. So I'm going to get to the next piece of armor and Gino, I'll just take this now. If we don't finish I'm willing to come back like next week and the next week because okay. I love the discussion and I don't want to <laughs> sure. break that up. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I'm saying? So, yep. I'm trying to ruin the fellowship. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I will come yeah. back next Wednesday and, and the next Wednesday to finish this Good. out. Good. So, Excellent. Uh, okay. So the next piece of armor that um, Paul told us about is the breastplate of righteousness. So let me talk about the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the breast, a breastplate. I want to do uh, naturally what a breastplate does, and then we'll look spiritually, then we'll go into the scriptures, and then I'm going to go through how you use it, 
and then we'll talk about it. So breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate protects the torso. So this is this region of your body that houses many vital organs from injury. Righteousness is a vital component of a saint's character and righteousness protects you from injury of sin, Satan and his kingdom of darkness, because Satan and the kingdom of darkness is all about moving us into sin, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's hatred, whether it's bitterness, whether it's fornication, whether it's whatever. So righteousness is going to protect your vitalness of your character. That's what's vital as a saint, your character. And your character is comprised of what you think, what you make decisions based off your thoughts, the actions you do, which become habits, which become your character. It all traces back to here. So all of that's vital and righteousness protects that. Righteousness is living and right standing with God through obedience to the word of God. And we are going to see this in scripture. So I want to go back to something Gino said early, because it's a really good point where people get hung up on this whole works thing. Works, there's two different kinds of works. And we're going to see that once we get to um, the shield of faith. Works of Old Testament comprise of, in order to become righteous, you had to earn it. That's done away with. You don't have to earn it. When you come to God the way he says to come to him, Christ has already earned that righteousness. He just slaps it on you. But a righteous person behaves in a certain way. They don't just do whatever they want to do, living in iniquity. A righteous person lives a lifestyle. They practice a lifestyle of obeying the word of God. Those are actions. If you were to define work, it just means the actions you operate in. So if there is a segment of people out here that feel like, all you got to do is believe God and you ain't got to do nothing. Well, you're going to go to hell because the Bible tells us a lot of things that we need to do. And God says, if you operate outside of this playbook, because there is a code of conduct, just like at work or at school, there is a code of conduct. And if you break that code of conduct, you can get put out of that school. You can get put out of that job. The kingdom of God has a code of conduct. And God lets us know, if you operate in the works of the flesh, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. If you operate in this, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But there, there is a code of conduct and it is the fruit of the spirit. It is different things that are outlined in scripture. So we, we got to know scripture. I keep going back to that because God needs us to know you just can't be out here ignorant of truth because that's the first piece of the armor, the belt of truth. If you don't have that, the rest of what we're looking at, you can't even operate in it because you don't even have truth. It's, it's, it's all linked because what we're going to see, every piece of armor is the word of God used in a different way. That's all it is. So that's why you can't pray that on. You got to live the word of God. So let me go back to this. Righteousness is living in right standing with God through obedience to the word. Am I making that up or did God say that? God said it. So let's actually go to scripture and look at this. So we are going to start out in Romans chapter six, verse 16 in the easy to read version. God reveals here, surely you know that you become, and this is Paul talking to the, the, the saints at Rome. Surely you know that you become the slaves of whatever you give yourselves to. 
Anything or anyone you follow will be your master. You can follow sin or you can obey God. Following sin brings spiritual death, but obeying God makes you right with him, period. You are not living a righteous lifestyle unless you are obeying the word of God. That's the message you, we all need to take away from this. The breastplate of righteousness. I have to live in right standing with God by obeying his word to put that breastplate of righteousness on every day. If I'm not living according to the word of God in obedience to what he says, that breastplate just came off or you didn't put it on. So let's say you had this incident with someone, Satan sent this person your way to offend you because he wanted to cause bitterness so you can get over into resentment and envy. And you know, you're not supposed to seek vengeance for yourself. You know, you're supposed to operate in forgiveness, but you decide the heck with that. I'm going to get revenge and I'm never going to forgive. Oh, you don't have a breastplate on. Oh, your vital organs are now exposed, which is your character, which you need to get you to spend eternity with God. You see how that works? We got to be smart. God is strategic and so is Satan. He is going to try to use everything he can to get you to operate outside the word of God, which means you're now not operating in truth. You don't have the belt on to hold everything up and you don't even have the breastplate on because in order to have the breastplate of righteousness on, you got to live according to what? The word of God. Both pieces of armor is the word of God used in a different way. So let's look at another scripture. We are going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 in the New King James Version. We learn here, all scriptures, not some, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, which is how you are to believe and live your life, for reproof, which is to, to show you where you're wrong, for correction, to get you on the right path when you now see that you're wrong, and here's the point that I want us to focus on for instruction, which is training, which is discipline and righteousness. We cannot know how to live in righteousness, which is to live according to the word of God. If we don't study the, all the scriptures that he's given to us, which is profitable to teach us how to live in righteousness. It all goes back to the word of God and you got to do it, which is works. It's actions. Because I don't know how that word became nasty and dirty in, in our language. Having a relationship with God requires effort. Having a relationship in a marriage requires effort. Having a relationship with your employer requires effort. Everything we do in life requires effort. And I don't know what well, I do know. It's Satan. Satan crept in because he know if he can get you to not believe that you need to do these things, you're going to be like, I don't have to do it. All I got to do is just believe. And then he got you. So God needs everyone to see, because this is not Tremiko speaking. This is who you said is your Lord and Savior. And we got a few more scriptures, but it looked like, Gina, are you about to say something? No, I agree with you 100%. It's lazy. I think it always comes to laziness almost <laughs> every single time. People just don't want to do the hard work. I mean, we all, let's face it, that's our nature. I think most people just would like rather kick back on a couch and expect things to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but we see, I think it's in James when he says, you know, I'll, I'll demonstrate my faith by my works. 
it because if, if you're, you're not yeah because if you're not let's face it if you call yourself a christian and you're not doing the things that christians are called to do you really have to look in the mirror and question your faith is it exactly. is it real faith or is it some pseudo faith paul said to examine yourself daily he sure um, did. because our hearts can fool us very easily our the, the heart is uh, what is it uh, desperately wicked, wicked and, deceitful. Uh, and and deceitful above all things and out and and I think one of the best demonstrations of someone that's actually living it is what they're actually speaking. I can I can tell pretty quickly if when I'm talking to somebody if I've never met them if, whether they're a believer or not a believer, right. and not just by curse words or things like that. I can just see by their actions and the things they're demonstrating to me. Um, unfortunately, I've come across a lot of brothers and sisters that kind of blend in with the world a little bit. Where I'm like, wait a minute, wait, are they? part of us or are they against us because i'm not i'm not seeing much difference from the guy that you know yeah (laughs) the guy i was just working with the other day you know and it's nothing personal but it's we do have to self-examine you have to look deep inside and say okay am i in the faith or am i not in the faith it's important works do not justify your faith okay works demonstrate your faith jesus justifies us that's how we, we were justified by the blood that's it there's no other way to salvation except through him and by his shed blood. So, but there has to be something that, there has to be fruit. There has to be yeah. fruit on that tree. And I think we should not be scared to say that. Because what I find is that some, you know, some Christians will back away and say, well, I'm not saying that, you know, you got to judge. Well, you just judge the guy on your job. We are supposed to judge. He, God tells us to do, how are you going to afford the trap of the enemy if you're not judging stuff. I mean, that's just dumb. You can see that Satan's little mindset he threw. And I'm not scared to say, you do got to operate according to works. Works are actions. Uh, John said, your faith is dead if you don't have actions. To, and and we're going to go there and see what the actions are that we have to display. I'm not going to let nobody make me scared to say what God said. He said that you got to have it. Now, what you need to understand is that there are two different kinds of works and that i think that's extremely important to make sure that you understand the difference but i'm not gonna let nobody scare me to use the terminology that god used and that's what satan wants to shut us up and be like well i'm not saying i'm saying that if you don't do this you're not gonna make it and this is why a lot of people are failing they are losing in life because satan and the kingdom of darkness know i gotta mentally that's a stronghold when you think you don't have to obey the word of god all you got to do is believe when you think that all you got to do is just float around and ask the Lord, sprinkle fairy dust on me and make it just manifest. It's not going to happen. So hopefully I was, un- I was unaware there was fairy dust. I mean, that's new to me. <laughs> is it golden, silver? I don't know. Apparently to them. <laughs> but here's the thing. If yeah. you see that you're constantly losing, that's when you stop and examine and say, okay, what's wrong? When you're on your job, you get a mid-year review and an annual review because they're checking in and say, all right, how you doing? Let's see, are you doing well? Are you messing up in some areas? Is there room for improvement? And I like to use that term because I think it's it's more palatable. We each need to look at our life and say, where's the room for improvement? Because if I'm constantly doing the same thing and I am not getting the results God said, obviously that should be the indication You're doing something not according to the word of God. So as I started to look over my life and see, not seeing what God said there in my life, 
I'm not seeing what God said there. Okay, let me do a self-examination. Okay, what did God say in this area of my life I am supposed to be doing? Well, now I'm gonna have to take some time and pull every scripture on that subject, on that topic to see what he said. When I did that, I was like, huh, I see why I'm losing because this was not my mindset. I wasn't doing none of this. Tweaked, started doing it repeatedly over and over and over. And then eventually I started seeing progression. I started seeing success. You're not gonna see it overnight, okay? Because character is you do something habitually, okay? So we gotta give the space for the results to come, but you also have to be working it. You have to be operating in it action-wise habitually to see that. So don't keep doing the same thing if it's not yielding the results God said. That is your indication, something's wrong. Let me tweak what I'm doing according to the word of God. I think you just hit the 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 nail on the head there. I was actually like, right away, I was leaning towards uh, the fact that I, I, I spoke once on personal accountability and how it's lacking. It's lacking in people. It's lacking in church. It's personal accountability, but that has to be the absolute foundation in which you operate through your faith is personal accountability. And I've had people argue that point. And it's like, okay, well, how can you argue that point when to have a true relationship with Jesus Christ, it is both personal and requires absolute accountability. There, those are the two main, those are the two main things. Like that's, those are your two main binding parts. But I think that's that's one of that's one of the issues that I think we have is that like you were talking about self-evaluation to evaluate yourself and think that maybe I'm the reason why my blessings are happening. Maybe I'm the reason why my, you know, my breakthroughs not happening. Maybe I'm the reason why my healing's not manifesting. That's a kind of a hard pill for people to swallow. They'd rather just, like you said, want like, you know, the great genie from the sky just to kind of snap their fingers and they don't have to change their lives. But there was probably a lesson to be learned before that will actually manifest in your life, before that change will actually happen in your life. There's, 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 there's a lesson there. There's something to be learned from it. You know, I'm going through a very personal situation with, uh, with one of my, one of my children right now. And, you know, she was just in a very serious point of rebellion. And for the last couple of years, you know, I've been trying to have conversations with her and it was always some other outward response or some other thing that was the reason why she was doing or not doing the things that she was doing but it, it really took for her to get to uh, i guess the version of rock bottom in her situation that now you're left to look at yourself mm-hmm. you know uh honestly you've chased all you you've chased all your opportunity away and so you've got no choice but to look at yourself mm-hmm. you know i i find that quite often especially in ministry when you're talking to people and they're just like i just don't understand why I keep drawing and attracting these people. I don't understand why I keep ending up in failed relationships. I don't understand. I don't understand. The one thing, I I mean, I can't really tell you why that keeps happening, but I can tell you that you're the only common thread in all of it. So maybe you're the one that needs to be looked at. (laughs) Like, like, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, not to be harsh, but I know that personally, because again, going back to what I said before, I don't speak on things that I haven't personally experienced. These are things, these are things that I've had to go to a point of deep evaluation in myself because I just didn't understand. I felt like a victim of circumstance. I always felt like I was the underdog and couldn't get a couldn't get ahead in situations. It wasn't until I realized that it, a lot of it was my thought process. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was hindering my growth yep. because of the way that I was thinking. 
Yep. So yeah, that's a that's a great point. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. Well, let's look at the next scripture. We're still on the breastplate of righteousness, and we're looking at what righteousness is according to God, not according to people. God, because that's how you're going to wear this breastplate of righteousness. So the next scripture we're going to look at is First Corinthians 15 and 34 in the cage in the New King James Version. So here we learn: awake to righteousness. And do not sin. So if you practice and sin, you're not operating in righteousness, which means you don't have the breastplate of righteousness on. Okay, so awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Okay, so what I want us to focus on here is that in order to awake to righteousness, Paul is saying you got to come out of sin. And we know Corinth was a very carnal church. They exercise in whatever pleased their carnal desires, which led them outside the word of God. So you can't be a person practicing sin. And here's the thing. It could just be one sin because people be thinking you got to do multiple sins. I got to be selling weed. I got to be killing people. No, you could just be consistently operating in unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred. You don't have your breastplate of righteousness on because those things are sin according to scripture. So God needs us to understand this. That's why it says, Paul said that, you know, okay, we have grace. So do we continue on in sin? God forbid. No, we do not. Why? It wrecks the righteous lifestyle you're supposed to be living. So let's go to the next scripture to drill this in. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 7 in the new King James Version. So we're going to 1 John chapter 3 verse 7. We learn here, little children, let no one deceive you. So we should come away tonight not being deceived. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he who is God is righteous. So it has to be a habit in our lifestyle to do the things that God says. Okay, I'm going to forgive. Okay, I'm going to help people. You know, I'm going to do good when I can do good. Okay, I'm going to be peaceable when I can be peaceable. But when it's time to go to war, I'm going to go to war the way God showed me how to go to war. Okay, Um, as I operate in life, I'm not going to embezzle money from my job. Okay, I'm not going to operate in, you know, all these different types of lust and pride of life and all these different things that's going on. There are many traps that Satan has devised in this, this year of 2023. And going forward, it it just grows and grows and gets bigger. And we have to make sure that we have this breastplate of righteousness on, because when I have it on, I know what righteousness is, and therefore I need to operate in it. So let's look at one more scripture before I explain how you wear the breastplate. And again, I want you to see through the scriptures, these are actions that we have to practice. You cannot pray the armor of God on. You can't pray this breastplate of righteousness on. How are you going to do that? You can't. So I need you to see that because God needs you to see that. If you've been praying and thinking you've been putting it on, that's why you've been getting beat up. You don't have it on. So 1 John chapter 5 and 18 in the New King James Version. We learn here, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, meaning they don't make a practice of sinning. Yeah, sometimes you're going to slip and fall. You That's when you repent. But you don't make it a lifestyle saying, every day I wake up, I'm going to operate in sin because I don't care. So whoever is born of God does not sin, meaning make a practice of sinning. 
but he who has been born of God keeps or guards himself. The way that you do that is to operate in the word of God and not sin. And it says, and the wicked one does not touch him. If you're practicing sin in your life, Satan, demons, principalities, they can all touch you. They can all hurt you. They can all wreck you. Okay. So it's clear right there in scripture. That is why God is saying, come out of sin, practice in sin and practice righteousness. When you do, you're now activating and putting on this breastplate of righteousness. So let's review before I tell you, well, let me say this and then I'll do a quick review and then we'll get comments and see where we are if we need to stop for tonight or what. So how to wear this breastplate of righteousness. You must practice obeying God's word, his rules or his code of behavior, however you want to put that, every day in order to actually be dressed in the righteousness to protect yourself from the injury of sin, Satan, and the kingdom of darkness. If you do not practice sin, or if you, yeah, if you do not practice sin, the wicked one cannot be successful at overcoming you. So let's review. If I don't learn the word of God and start practicing the truth in God's word, I have not put on the belt of truth to secure me in life, to support me in life, to make sure I don't fall to the lies and deceits of the enemy and be embarrassed. Okay, that's one. If I don't know the word of God and practice it, I can't live a righteous lifestyle, which means I have not put on my breastplate of righteousness. So without knowing the word of God and practicing the word of God, you just left yourself with two pieces of armor, not on, and we still got more armor to go. So remember with that belt of truth, you're filtering everything people say and everything people do through the word of God. And we're not going to be scared to call a spade a spade and an ace an ace. If you operating in sin and practicing it, you live in a lifestyle of iniquity. If you haven't come to God the way he said, you're not even a child of God. You out there a sinner. We do want you to come though. Um, I call a spade a spade. So here's the thing. If you saw someone who was constantly on the street corner every time you drove home from work and they was drunk, the first thing you would do is say, look at that old drunkard. Well, you just call a spade a spade. But see, Satan has got people so bounced verbally that in Christianity, we don't want to call a spade a spade. And it's not that I'm saying that you're something you're not. I'm looking at the results of your life and I'm just speaking what it is. I'm calling it what it is. And that's what the belt of truth does. But if you're too scared to do that, you can't wear the belt of truth. And if you don't practice righteousness by coming out of sin, you can't put that breastplate on to protect your vital organ, which is your character, which is going to lead you to your destiny with God or not. So let me pause there and see if there's any thoughts or questions or comments on that so far. It just seems like the modern day church is scared to offend anybody. And we're taught, I think it's first Timothy. It tells us to confront your brother or sister with somebody else when they're in sin, confront them again. It gives you the, it gives us the protocol for approaching sin within the church walls, but no one's been doing that for decades. And so we have a church that's powerless, weak, um, very offended at everything woke in a lot of cases, um, all this garbage that's not of God. Uh, it's just a semblance of Christianity. 
and it's it's I call it I don't know I call it plastic Christianity, pseudo Christianity, whatever you want to call it, but it's it's fake. It's not real. And you know, Paul was wrestling with similar things back in his days. The apostles were in their early church in the Book of Acts. You see it. I mean, you you mentioned Corinth earlier. Um, how corrupt it was and just i mean i think there was a man sleeping with his mom's husband or i mean uh, uh husband's, husband's wife or something <laughs> yeah i mean like just wife. crazy yeah crazy stuff you know like there's nothing new under the sun sin is yeah. sin it's going to be around it's going to get worse yeah. um, but we do have to recognize it excuse me um and we have to we can't i th i think it's become <laughs> i don't know how this happened but Sin has become the dirty word, like the, that four-letter word, even though it's a three-letter word, you don't use in church, right? Like it's it's the F-bomb in church. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, how did sin become that word? That's what it was all about in the first place. Like showing that we're sinners and we need to be saved by his grace, and by his mercy. I, I don't know how we got to that. Uh, the devil is, I'll tell you, he's, he's brilliantly evil. And so he snuck in the back door and a little by little it's gotten to where we are today. Now, thank God, God is a merciful God and he's long suffering with us. So there's plenty of time for us to turn it around. If you're struggling in any of these departments that Miko's been touching on tonight, go to him. Don't, don't shy away from him. Don't run the opposite direction. Do what the prodigal son did. He went off, he partied, had a good time, spent the inheritance. He comes back home and he's eating out of a trough with the pigs <laughs> before he gets home. And he realizes, what have I done? Where am I at? And he starts going home and his father runs out and meets him. That's our God. That's who he is. He'll run out and meet you. So don't, don't sit around just waiting and waiting and saying, well, I'm too embarrassed to go to him. I don't want to, you know, he already knows. He already knew you were going to make those mistakes. There's, you can't hide anything from him. He knows all, sees all, and hears all. So I just, I think that's, that's, the key to what you're saying, Miko, is that people just have to submit, just submit and be obedient. You know, it doesn't mean, just like you said, we're going to skin our knees. We're going to fall down. We're going to make mistakes. That's okay. He understands that. And you just say, Hey, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. Help me. I'm struggling in this department. Um, or maybe you need deliverance. I mean, Miko works in deliverance ministry too. So, I mean, maybe you need to, to go somewhere where they uh, do deliverance ministry and things like that. There's there might be a strong man there binding, binding you, holding you back. But a lot of times it's just our own vices. We just get stuck in our own vice and we continue in that path. And then before you know it, it becomes normal. And so mm -hmm. we just kind of brush it off as like, oh, you know, I'm not as bad as my neighbor. I'm not as bad as that other guy at church that I see on Sundays. And I'll just continue in my, you know, my path forward. That's deception, self-deception. Matt, any comments, brother? Well, I think... Kind of to piggyback off of what you said, um, just like society has basically been desensitizing us in so many ways, I think we've been desensitized in the church. The, the fear of God is not the promotion anymore. It's it's just the love of God, the loving God, which yeah. is amazing, yes. But at the same time, there are, there are laws that need to be upheld. There there is a there's a again going back to accountability. There's a responsibility to your to your accountability before God and. I think that's where the churches have become a little lackadaisical. That's where they, that's where they, like you said, the, the dirty word sin, they don't bring that up because it convicts and it requires accountability. That's people don't want to come there to actually feel bad about themselves. <laughs> they want to come there to get uplifted, you know, but the church is not a place of entertainment. It's not a movie theater. It's a hospital. Mm. <clears throat> that's where the sick people go to find healing. 
that's where we that's where we gather together to help one another to get to that place of healing and and to get to that place of understanding now i mean i understand that there is there is a value to to all things to a certain degree but when we've gotten so far away from the point i can't really imagine myself just kind of sitting around in a sea of pews with no one moving with anything that's happening like i just i have to see movement when i go to churches i have to see act i have to see activity and i'm not talking about hooting and hollering or running laps around the church I'm talking about people that are being spiritually moved, people that are attentively paying attention, the word that's being taught in its entirety, and people are actually getting something from it. And it's it, it's not as common as you think to find places like that. If you can find a place like that, hold on to it. But even then, go there, get your training, teach it, also train yourself. And then at that point, deploy it. Miko talked about that earlier. She, you know, don't don't sit on it. <laughs> you know, take what you've learned. And, and give it to the next person. You know, this is this is what we have to do. But, you know, there's just a lot of there's a lot of planting seeds inside barns, not so many in the field. Yeah. You know, that's a real thing. But yeah. man, I like that. I, you made me think of like a family reunion. Like when you're at church, we're all family. Right. And I mean, just that's imagine it. a big old barbecue pit there and they're roasting that pig or <laughs> cooking up some steaks. Matt's Matt's sauces are there. His hot sauces right. are there. And you're. <laughs> like that's proactive that's being we would all do that we would all dive into that barbecue absolutely and, you know, get get dirty fingers and you know pick the stuff out of our teeth after <laughs> but yet yeah. in church we we feel like oh no we'll just sit back and we got to be really maybe, conservative maybe absorb some of it maybe i'll eat some of it and not other things that i don't like yeah so yeah. i'm gonna double tap on something massive and this is a challenge for all of us and i want you to think of it from God's perspective and not human's perspective, right? So Christ is the head of the body of Christ, who is the church. So when Christ was down here, he's all whole, right? He's not, we're not the body yet or nothing like that. There was no disease in him. There was no sickness in him. There was no mental illness in him. He functioned perfectly according to the word of God. He leaves and says, I have to go back so I can send the spirit, but you all are the church. You're gonna function as my body. But if we accept this mindset that the church is a hospital, why is everybody so sick? That's why everybody's being defeated because everybody's weak. And that's what God is challenging us through this lesson. I never called you to be sick. I never called you to be weak. I never called my body a hospital. You all are supposed to be a reflection of me who is whole, who is healed, who is powerful, who is a conqueror, who is determined to live according to the code of conduct that I left behind. And so too many of us see ourselves as victims, as weak, as sick, and we accept that and we live in this lower level of lifestyle than God set out for us to have. And I know this because of how I operate in different spaces. So I came from an environment where they taught that the church is a hospital. You got to operate this, this way because of all the people X, Y, Z. God was like, nope, never said that. I'm going to send you out, give you a group of people. And I want you to treat them the way I see them, teach them what I've said. And I took that body of people who were not church, who didn't know all these different things deposited the word of God in them, and they came forth and operated strong and mighty in God. 
So it's the difference of how we see ourselves versus how God said. And we're not supposed to be a hospital. A hospital of people are too sick to fight back, to do the things that God said. And that is one of the problems because we, like going back to what Matt said, people are not taking accountability. They're not taking responsibility for knowing the word of God and living up to those expectations. And it is a challenge. I'm not going to lie and sit here and be like, oh, it's easy peasy to live the word and lifestyle that God wants us to have. It's not going to be easy because you have an opponent out here called Satan in the kingdom of darkness. They're going to do everything they can to make it hard, but it is not impossible. God does not call us to do impossible things. That's why he's given us his spirit, his name, his power, like all these different things, the armor, the weapons, so much stuff that some things we have talked about in previous times I've been here, a whole bunch of stuff we have not even explored yet and dipped our toes into yet. But all of this works together to make us victorious. And I just challenge everybody, do not have this mindset of being weak and being sick and being all these different things. And if you're in that state, come out of that through that relationship with God, through studying the word of God, through getting around other saints who are living victorious and, and conquerous lives and things of that nature. Um, and God made sure to separate me, literally, even as I operated as a minister, in a particular location, he separated me from all the ministers, from all the pastors, from all this and that, because the mindset was so warped that if I hung around that, it's the leaven, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause me to now be affected. And in a certain extent, I was starting to get affected. And the Lord was like, uh-uh, because I'm doing something altogether different with you. And, and I've invested a lot in you. And I want to return on my investment. Move. And so operating in the same house, but separate, it was two different, two different views. So I just want to challenge everybody because that's what God wants to challenge us through this lesson is that we need to get unsick. We need to be the ones going out and doing what he said, healing people instead of us needing the healing. Um, I, so, I would I know, say this, I would say this about the hospital, the hospital thing that Matt was saying. I think Matt's talking about, you know, you have someone coming in that's not a believer they're going to, I would call it the ER, it's the emergency room. They're coming to the, to the church and they're going to get healed in that church, right? Physically, mentally, spiritually, all those things. Um, but it doesn't, you don't stay in the hospital. Once you become a believer, you're, you're to start moving forward in your walk to mature in your faith, start but bearing those fruits. Not doing it. That's the problem. And, and the so we do, so we do have a hospital mentality for sure in the modern day church because people just aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Um, so I, I wouldn't say, um, I. it's kind of, it's kind of like I, I'm agreeing with 50% and 50%. Like I, I get the church being the hospital thing and the ER room, but I also understand that's not where you stay. You don't stay in a hospital. I just stayed four and a half days in a hospital two weeks ago. It wasn't fun. I had a bad infection in my hand, whatever. And, you know, if I'm in the church and I'm just staying there and I'm stagnant and I'm sick, then yeah, you are in a hospital. Because you're not going to the doctor, you're not going to the physician, who is the master physician of all physicians, Jesus himself. So I, I get what you know. I, I understand both sides of the argument here. And, no, yeah. And, you know, yeah. And, so it, and and the model for church is not what God designed, right? He told us to go out, witness, convert people, and bring converted people back. Because the church is is who we're the body. 
But the model of the church, because going back to what Matt said, everybody getting late. Well, you said, you know, everybody getting lazy. And then going back to what Matt said, they don't want to be accountable for this. Let's just sit back and make the church comfortable. And let's just invite everybody to us so that we don't have to go out. Well, now you got sinners in the midst. The body of Christ isn't supposed to have sinners in the midst. It's supposed to be a place where everyone who believes the same, thinks the same, wants to do the same. We come together we fellowship with each other. We get strengthened with each other. And when you study scripture, that's exactly what happened. They went out, witness converted, brought them back. Went out, witness converted, brought it back. Are these a whole amount of cities got born again? All right, we needed to establish a church in this location. So, and this could be a whole nother lesson, but we've gotten so far from what God said that now we have to make all these adjustments and supplications and things of that mm -hmm. nature. Um, and that's, and, and, and I hate that because I've heard too many times, oh, I went there and I thought that this was a place where, you know, I could be around people who believe like God. And, and that's where this thing, this term comes from, church hurt. Because you got wolves in the midst of the church. They they was never supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. so, but we'll mm -hmm. definitely move on. Go I ahead. Knew, I, knew, I knew it was going to come up. I knew you, I knew, I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say church hurt. I knew you were going to say church hurt. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Listen, the 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 concept of me me comparing a church to a hospital is because I I look at it as as the, the way I observe a hospital, in the context of people. There's people sitting in the waiting room. There's people that are in observation. There's people that are in intensive care. There's people that are doctors. There's people that are nurses. There's all these different functions that we have, but there's different places where people sit. And the thing is. If you sit there, then there is no healing. So it goes back to the same thing that you were talking about. People not being active, not being active and not moving forward. You're not going to get to observation if you don't leave the waiting room. You're not going to get to the operating room if you don't leave observation. You know, that's the whole thing. And so you're not going to get to a phase of actual health where you can go out and help someone else who's sick if you don't move forward. There's more people I feel like sitting in the waiting room than are even in the hospital, but I'm just saying, that's just my opinion. But you, you said, you said two words, you said church hurt. Listen, people need to get over that whole concept of church hurt. They need to get over that concept of church hurt because I got to promise you, there's always going to be church hurt. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's always going to be church hurt. But the thing that aggravates me about that whole concept is you go to the gym and someone offends you, but you still go to that gym. You go to your work and someone offends you, but you still need to make that money. But all of a sudden you use church hurt as an excuse to, to just throw away your salvation. Oh, yeah. Man, it burns me up. It burns me up when people use that concept, church hurt. I'm like, you better, you better stop it. You better <laughs> stop it because I'm telling you right now, I'm about right, to no. take you to church on this. I'm about, you to, I'm about to take you to church on this Same. because how many times have I'll I show you church hurt. Some, that's what I'm saying. Where someone has offended me at work, but guess what? I have to face that person then and there tomorrow because I need to eat. It's a, it, it, it all comes down to what is your motivation and what are your priorities? If your priorities are spiritual strength, if your priorities are trying to are trying to actually walk your faith out and become stronger in your faith and in your belief and in your understanding, then it's going to become a priority. Getting to the gym's a priority. Getting to work's a priority. The church has not be, it's not become a priority anymore, and everybody uses that excuse. Church hurt. Oh man. You, you and there's going to be hurt, period, right? Because <laughs> that's what it is. Lesson, there's always going to be there. As this lesson is about, 
we got an enemy and he mm -hmm. is going to bring the pain however he can so yeah. there's one yeah. more analogy though that we didn't explore and in that hospital scenario Let's there's go. you you could either go to the great physician himself jesus or you can accept the jab <laughs> from <laughs> from the devil and lots of christians take that jab over and over and over again they get the they get the booster they get the fourth booster the fifth booster i'm talking metaphorically obviously but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. and they'll they'll take the lies over yeah. the truth oh sure because it's easy oh this will protect me give, give me another yeah. one give me another one so you know you could because you don't again, have to be I, accountable you no, you you can no if you're you not if you're you don't not, have to pick if, up yourself and fix yourself you just think this will fix you yeah if you're not operating in truth you're by definition and you're deceived yeah, I mean, isn't absolutely. that the definition of being deceived? Like, you don't know you're deceived because you're not, you think you're following truth. Yeah. Right. That's it. Ignorance right. is bliss. Yeah. But it ain't. <laughs> it ain't, but it is. There's so many. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> that's the truth is, and I mean, that's what it is. You know, I mean, I'd rather not look at it because if I look at it, then I got to go through it. I'd rather look around it or look over it, but I won't look at it. So, yeah. and that's the thing, like going back to what we were saying earlier, common sense, you still going through something. So right. did it work? It didn't work. So let's get out of doing stuff that does not work. But no, I yeah. love the discussion. So I'm going to check in with you, Gina, on time. You want to, where you want to. Well, we go two hours. If you can stick around two hours, that's, you know, we still yeah, got yeah. another 40 minutes roughly. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. All right. Yeah. Sometimes I'm yeah. like, am I making his podcast go longer than it should? No, I, listen, Miko. <laughs> I've done over five hour podcasts. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it's, you're not a, dudes you're off not the gonna, rails. Yeah. Off the rails sometimes. Yes. I had to restrain okay. myself. So. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get to the next piece of armor, which is the shoes of the gospel of peace. And I'm going to take some time to go through this questions or comments. Definitely. We can get into it. I'm definitely condensing this version down from how I normally teach it it would be way longer but i'll just give us the short version of this and if i need to go expand it i will but let's talk about um the gospel but we'll talk about what shoes do but we have to understand what the gospel is i'm just gonna throw a quick thing out and then i'll get started a lot of times when we talk to people and we'll ask people what is the gospel they'll just say oh it's the good news about jesus christ what is the good news you have to know what the gospel is you can't just oh it's love oh it's the good news when you study scripture the apostles and the disciples specifically were teaching certain things which comprise of the gospel so just for the sake of making it easy there's five points that when i get to this we'll be hitting about what the gospel is and then we're gonna go through scripture and actually see that <clears throat> and then we'll talk about how do you wear these shoes of the gospel of peace so let's first talk about shoes what is the function of shoes? What do they do? Shoes provide protection and comfort for the feet. The gospel provides protection from condemnation and comfort of everlasting life with God for those who respond appropriately to the gospel. So we got to understand that it's providing protection and comfort. And this is important because this has to do with a mindset. If you're war, let me tell you this. War is all mental here. There's a lot of physical stuff that go into it. But if you're not right up here, that's the enemy got you. You done. 
And so even with this two-year ordeal that I went through, everything that they did tactically was to try to break me up here. And I'm like, dude, you messing with the wrong one. You're not about to break me because I walk with the Lord and the Lord hand in hand. I had to meditate in scripture. That's where that lesson came from that I did last time about promises, God's promises in times of trouble. He had me collect every scripture I could to mentally get my mindset calibrated. Then he was like, strategically, I need you to do this, do this, X, Y, Z. Like you have to be able to hear God because in warfare, he's calling audibles. He's telling you what to do. He's telling you what not to do. So there's a lot that go into warfare. So I'm not teaching on the warfare piece yet. We'll do that in another podcast, but I'm just talking about the armor tonight, but mentally each thing, the belt of truth, setting your mind, right? It's calibrating your mind to truth, righteousness, calibrating your mind to righteousness to come out of sin, the gospel of peace, calibrating your mind to make sure you understand salvation. There are so many people who walk around and they're like, when I die, I don't even really know where I'm going. That's a problem. You messed up up here. So Satan, demons, they can have a field day with you mentally and you're not going to be operating in that protection and that comfort that the gospel of peace provides. So let's just talk about what is the gospel. Then we're going to go to scripture, take a look at scripture, saying exactly what I just said, and then we'll talk about how you wear it. Then we'll get into some discussion. So the gospel is simply this. One, the father manifested himself in, in flesh as Jesus Christ. Number two, he died for our sins as Jesus Christ. Number three, he rose the third day. There's a lot of stuff that people don't say when they talk about the gospel. You can't leave him dead. He rose the third day. And then he made repentance available in the name of Jesus. And then he made remission of sins available in the name of Jesus. So when you study scripture, this is what you're going to see the disciples and the apostles telling people as they have these encounters. And then the next thing you see is that people saying they believe they got water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit that came with a sign of speaking with tongues. And then there was a church established so that they could learn the word of God and live their lives according to the word of God. For those apostles went from town to town. If it was a disciple, as the work came up, they witnessed to other people. We'll see Philip, if you study scripture, he was a, a disciple, um, an evangelist. Then you'll see Ananias, who was a disciple. You'll see other people. And just, I implore you, go back, study scripture closely, starting the Acts and going forward and see what did they do that Christ told them to do when he left and how they did it. We're supposed to do the exact same thing. We should not be changing stuff. So let's start out by going to John chapter one. And I'm going to read verse one and then jump to verse 14 in the New King James Version. So we're going to John chapter one, verse one. That says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So let's pause. We talked about this in a different lesson that I did. I can't remember which one it was, but God is not separate from his word. His thought is him. He communicates through his speech, just like we communicate. Everything I'm saying is not separate from me. It is me expressing myself through words. And, and that is God. So then you jump in John chapter one, after it tells us the word was God, jump to verse 14. John says here, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the 
the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. <clears throat> and one thing I love about John, God gave John, when you study the gospels, they touch on different things. John's book touches on the identity of who God actually is. And I love it because you got to pay attention to what he's saying. And I implore everybody, go read John chapter eight, because it is some deep stuff in there where Christ is talking and he's saying, I'm not from down here. I'm from up, up there. I came down here. Then he says that, <clears throat> he said, he tells them clearly before Abraham was, I am. He letting them know, I am the father manifest in Christ in flesh. Y'all read all these prophecies and you missed it. And that's why the Jews wanted to kill him. That's why they called him a blasphemer. Because they already knew from Old Testament, God said, the Lord thy God is one. How you claiming you God? That's going to make two. Do I'm the I am. He said it three times in that discussion in John chapter eight. And if you read it in the easy to read, you'll see it because some translations add a the before the I am. He said three times, I am, I am, I am. So the first part of the gospel is that and God the just, Father. Oh, go sorry to interrupt, but just to reiterate, I mean, that's, he's saying I am. And they would have, the Pharisees would have known what he was talking about because that's Absolutely. what, that's what, Moses says, well, who should I say sent me? And he says, I am. I am. And so to say, and then, you know, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, I am. And they all fall down. They said, you know, the power is shown there. But this is what kills me. And this is a whole nother discussion. I'm just going to lay this out there real quick. This is what kills me when people say, Jesus never said he was God. <laughs> like, uh, I laugh. I'm like, are you kidding me? He says it over and over. Yeah, they, they just don't understand the language, you know, the lingo. Yeah. yeah, so I don't want to no, go down that really, rabbit hole. No, 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 really good point. Maybe one day we can just do a podcast on that. <laughs> but uh, so this is one place. And there, guys, there's many places. I just don't want to hold the lesson up. Um, but this is one place. Um, and I'm going to do one day, we'll do a, a, a podcast where I just break down this next scripture. I'm not going to break it down tonight because we'll be here all night. But when I actually taught this lesson, I broke this next scripture down. So we'll do that next time. But it'll be the first Timothy one. Um, but let's finish this one. So I think, yeah, okay, I read it. Verse 14 said the word became flesh. So this is one place where God is letting us know his identity because he revealed it and John is giving it. And so what God needs to make sure we understand, it's not enough for you to say, I believe in God. You need to believe in his identity of who, like if Gino was to be like, I mean, I believe in somebody named Tremiko. Well, do you know my identity? That's not good enough, Gino, if we're going to be in relationship, if we're going to be friends, if we go, you need to know my identity because I need for when somebody come up and try to tell you something false about me, you can be like, nah, I know her identity. That is not her. Same thing. If I'm trying to get into a friendship with Matt, I can't be like, Matt, I'm just going to think of you as Tom. Is that okay with you? You can be like, no, that's not okay, Tremiko. You need to know me as Matthew. That's my identity. And I'll teach you who I am as Matthew if you're willing to learn. So it's not good enough to know. Most people have this cosmic idea that God exists. And so it's just enough for me to believe that. It's literally in scripture. And that's why I want everybody to go back and read John chapter eight, because he says, if you do not believe that I am, this is Christ talking, telling them I'm God, the father manifest in flesh. He says, you will die in your sins. That's serious y'all. And as a ministry, because God was setting us right. He's like, I need you to teach my word the way I put it out there. And so we like, well, then that's heavy. Cause most people don't believe that. 
Exactly. Get out there and teach it because I'm trying to save folks. This is crucial, y'all. You got to know his identity. Philip said, show us the father and it'll suffice us. He said, when you look at me, you you looking at the father. What are you talking about? We're one. So if you go back, it is many, many places in scripture. Oh, yeah. And even the demons believe and tremble. And see, and the, the other, this is the other thing that drives me crazy too. A lot of us have gotten this habit of saying, you know, we'll end the prayer with a stamp of approval in Jesus name. Okay. And that's great. I, I always use that because I want people to understand which God I'm worshiping, but that's not the magic word that, you know, <laughs> ends like it's a exclamation on the end of a prayer and that gets it done. It's believing in him in his title, in who he is, his identity. It's not a name. Jesus was a very common name at the time, you know, 2,000 years ago. It was Joshua. It was, you know, carried down from the, from the, uh, uh, the, the Jews, and it was translated Joshua. So it's not the name J-E-S-U-S. It's who he is. But in our modern terms, when we use the name Jesus, people understand that Jesus is the one we worship, one true God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he manifested as a man and became Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. That's, that's where uh, the power resides in who he is, his title. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Um, you know, I know like um, if you were an ambassador for, if, if the president made me an ambassador, I go in his name, in his title, in his position, his authority. And it's the same thing with, with, with Jesus. The name itself is not where everything, where it's like, I don't know. I just feel like people think it's like a magic wand or something. And you just say his name and then things just happen. You got to believe in him. You got to walk in his ways and his statutes. Like, like we've been talking the whole night. That's important. Like I think that's just an important thing to know. It's kind of like a parrot. A parrot can say Jesus and nothing happens. But when I say it, everything happens because I know who he is and I'm walking in that power and that authority. I've put that name on. Um, and just to add to that, um, so the name Jesus, and you're right, there were many people named Jesus. That's why you would always hear them say Jesus the Christ because they were identifying from Jesus Barabbas or Jesus this or Jesus that. But Jesus the Christ, the blood is linked to that name, right? So when I'm walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and I put that name on through baptism, when I speak that name, demons come out because I got to use the name. When I pray, Jesus said, I'm, got, I'm about to get out of here, but you're going to pray to the Father in my name. And when you do it in my name, he going to give it to you. So I work at a bank. And the way that I like to explain it is if I was a teller, I'm not a teller. I work in a different department of the bank, but if I was a teller, you could not just bring a check to me and say in the father's name and, and think I'm about to cash it. No, 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 no. I need to know the name on the account. That's what's going to cause me to release the goods. And so it's the same with God. We have to operate in the name of Jesus. But as you said, you know, it's not just I'm calling a name because many people just call the name, call the name. We saw that the seven sons of Sceva called the name. Ain't nothing happened because you not walking in relationship and you not walking in the, the truth of the identity of who God is to be able to even use that name. So it, you, you got to marry all of it together. And I love that. It's not just, and that goes back to how I started this. You can't take a piece of this, but then leave all of that and take a piece of this a la carte, your relationship with God. No, he like, if you don't take this whole sum and lot, it's not going to work properly. That's why I'm telling you, you got to know this. You got to live this. You got to have this mindset. Because if not, 
it all works together to give the end result of what I need you to receive and flow in the earth. So yeah, love that. Okay, so let's go to 1 Timothy 3 and 16. This is one, I'll come back one day and just do, this will be a whole podcast. Because um, I love breaking each part of this down because there are several scriptures to prove, prove each point of this. And um, we'll do that one day. So 1 Timothy 3.16 supports what was just stated in John chapter 1, verse 1 and 14. It says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God, what? Talking about God the Father, was manifested in flesh, justified in the spirit. This is pointing to Jesus Christ. Seen by angels, pointing to Jesus Christ. Preached among the Gentiles, pointing to Jesus Christ. Believed on in the world, pointing to Jesus Christ, received up in glory, pointing to Jesus Christ. So this is letting us know God the Father manifested himself in the flesh as Jesus Christ because all those things are speaking to Jesus Christ. He experienced all those things and I got all the scriptures to prove that. So let's go to the next scripture. We are going to go to 1 Corinthians 15 and I'm going to read verse 3 in the new king james version first corinthians 15 and 3 says for i deliver to you first of all that which um also i received that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures so the first two scriptures prove the first point of the gospel god the father manifested himself as christ the second point of the gospel is that as Christ, he died for our sins. This just said that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And there's other scriptures out there that speak to the same thing. Now let's go to the next point of the gospel that he rose from the dead on the third day, that remission is made available in his in the name of Jesus and repentance is made available in the name of Jesus. So uh, in Luke 24, verses 46 through 47, it says here, and this is Christ talking to his apostles and disciples before he leave. Then he being Christ said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. That was the third point that I made about the gospel. Here comes number four and that repentance and number five and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So what Christ is telling them, when I leave, you better preach repentance and tell people that they need to repent in the name of Jesus. Because you can't do it no other way. You can't do it through no titles, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It got to be in the name of Jesus. Because I am the Father who became the Son, who is sending my Holy Spirit when I left at, in the flesh. I'm all. So repentance has to be preached in the name of Jesus. And you can't receive remission of sins without the name of Jesus. Because the blood is tied to the name and without a blood sacrifice, there is no remission of sins. So the gospel wrapped up in five quick points is that the father manifested himself and the, that the father manifested himself in the flesh of Christ. He died for our sins. He rose the third day with that victory. And now repentance is made available to all mankind in the name of Jesus. And remission of sins is made available to all mankind in the name of Jesus. When you understand this and then understand the scriptures behind, okay, how do I receive this repentance, this remission of sins, all of that? That's a whole nother lesson, which is being born again. Then you have that protection. You have that comfort 
of knowing I'm walking the walk of salvation. So when the enemy tries to come and sway you and make you think, oh, you're not going to make it. You ain't right. The Lord don't love you. You can get back, Jack, and walk comfortably and be like, no, he does. You can be protected and know, oh, those bullets are not about to attack me. Those arrows are not about to attack me. But then also you need to shot your feet to not only provide comfort and protection to you, we have to go out and witness that to other people so that they as well can get that. So let's talk about how you wear the shoes of the gospel of peace. And then I'll pause. The way to wear the shoes of the gospel of peace is to believe. Number First thing is to believe the gospel. Number two, appropriately respond to it yourself. There is something that Christ tells you to do. He told them to go out, baptize them in my name, in the name of Jesus. They got to repent. They got to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, if I'm like, I ain't got to do none of that. Okay, you out here floating alone on yourself because he told us what to do. So believe the gospel. You got to respond, re respond appropriately to it. And then we got to go witness to other people the truth about Jesus Christ's identity, his life, his sacrifice, his death, his burial, his resurrection, how to be born again, and then how to receive forgiveness. But then also how to live this life. And when you do that, that offers the protection, that offers the comfort. So I want you to see, again, you can't pray this on. This is something we have to know and then go live. And I love when you start to look in scripture, like I think it was Philip that came upon the Ethiopian eunuch. He was reading the book of Isaiah, but he didn't understand it. He was like, can you explain this? And God's like, go teach him. And every time when they talk to somebody, they started with Christ. And then when, when they got done, people said they believed they got water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they got baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Why? Because when he started to explain Christ, he explained who Christ was. God loves you so much that he decided to make a plan because nobody could do it. Since Adam messed up and we all are tainted, he had to come himself as a human being and die for you. He didn't send somebody to die for you. He came as a human being. That's what makes this whole thing just so loving and like, dang, you took the time to do that and you didn't even have to do that. He said he died for us while we were in our sins. He didn't have to do that. He loved us so much. He said, I got to come do, Satan thought he put a wrench in the plan. Mm -mm, I can fix this. I'm about to come fix this. And when you understand that, so he explains this to this Ethiopian eunuch. And then he obviously said, you got to get water baptized. He obviously said some other stuff because when they came ac across water, why did the Ethiopian eunuch say, well, here's water. Can I get baptized? And then Philip said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can, if you believe. He said, oh, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Let's do this. He said, okay. But if you don't believe that, I'm not about to do this. So I love it because the, the Lord specifically was like, go back. Don't go out here and start preaching a gospel that you just made up. Go study my scripture. What were they telling people? What did I tell them to tell people? Because that's what you got to do. And so we got to understand what the gospel is. When you ask people what the gospel is and they say it's love, okay, you miss a whole list of things. When you say, oh, it's just the good news. And when I ask people, well, what is the good news? What is the love? They're like, I don't know. It's just good news. Well, then you don't know the gospel. So then how are you going to live the gospel? How are you going to share the gospel with other people? So I really, you know, God is challenging us. As Matthew said, we can't be lazy. We got to be accountable. And Gino, we can't be lazy. We got to be accountable. We got to be responsible 
to study the scriptures because that's how you're going to put this armor on, but then you only put it on by living it. So I'll pause there for thoughts, questions, and comments. Anything, Matt? Not much to add to that. I think you were pretty well, thorough. That's, that's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, you were pretty yeah. thorough on that one. I okay. did look up. I did look up what is a what is a definition, a scripture definition of what the good news is. It says good news in its significance. It means a gift from God. It is the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins and sonship with God restored through Christ. I think it, which I think, entails, yeah, which would entail everything that Miko said, right? All those things have to be believed to, to accept the, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what she's telling us right now. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Little, and I will know. say it's important not to leave him dead. And I was I was guilty of that. We'd be like, yeah, he died for us. And he's like, I rose. You gonna throw that in there? So <laughs> well, Paul, I got it's back important. up. It's important. Wasn't it Paul? I think Paul said in Galatians, he says, you know, if 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 Jesus didn't rise, then our faith is in vain. Come what, on. It's nothing. It's stupidity. I think C.S. Lewis said something like that too. C.S. Lewis says, you know what, you're either following a madman or the guy that rose from the grave. Like, you yeah. know, it's like you can't. Without him rising, he's just another false teacher, another false yep. prophet. He's not God. But yep. but pulling himself wow. out three days later, Dang. that's amazing. Yes, <laughs> that's, yes like, it is. I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the rest of these, you know, uh, so called uh, religious leaders are still buried. Uh, I haven't seen any of them come out of the grave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we have ample evidence. I just talked about this on Sunday night. So I'm going to, if anybody wants to read Gary Habermas, Gary Habermas is probably the number one authority on the risen Christ. More evidence from secular sources than, mm. he doesn't even go within the Bible. He uses secular sources in archaeology and just every yeah. science to show Jesus was a man. He walked this earth and he rose from the dead. Um, he, he has one of the foremost authorities on it. So I would highly recommend it. H-A-B as in boy, E-R-M as in Mary, A-S. Gary Habermas. Awesome. Okay, Miko, sorry. No, I love it. Um, do, um, do you see, you know, do you see the comment that Curious Patriot just put up? Uh, okay, wow, pray y'all. We got a mass cast. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Happening now, 10 to 16 in Maine. No. Right. Oh, my gosh. 10 to 16, says, 40 to 50 injured. Where was that at? He says it's going on. It says it's happening now. Oh, man. What is we it? Got, we have a mass casual, casualty shooting happening now. 10 to 16 dead, 40 to 50 injured in Maine. Oh, man. Wow. Well, we just so, pray right now for those that yeah. are there, Lord God, that you would be in the midst, that you would protect, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God. We pray that you would spare those that are there, Lord God, that you would provide shelter protection. We pray, Lord God, that whoever is the attacker, Lord God, that they would um, cease and desist and be caught, Lord God, and stop whatever ammunition gun that they are using. I pray that you that it get jammed up, Lord God, as you're trying to aim and fire at people in the name of Jesus Christ. And we just pray for you to even just send angels to that location, Lord God, just to begin to even do God. warfare, Lord God, keep at bay every demonic force, principality, power, ruler of darkness and spiritual wickedness that is operating in that territory, in that location. We bind and rebuke violence. We bind and rebuke the spirit of death right now. In the yes, name Lord. of Jesus Christ, we bind and rebuke hatred in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind and rebuke the spirit of rebellion in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Um, and we just pray, Lord God, just for protection, for peace, Lord God, for comfort. And again, for your angels to encamp round about, Lord God, and to serve and protect in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And protection over those first responders, God. Yes. Watch over those first yeah. responders, those people helping and trying to assist those people, the officers that are trying to intervene for those people. Send that angel army over there. Mm. Thwart that enemy, God. Wow. Jeez. So, you know, isn't that ironic? We're talking about spiritual warfare and look now it manifests yeah. in the physical yeah, yeah. world. That's right? why I didn't, that's why I didn't want to interrupt, but I saw that. Oh, yeah, I was sure like, whoa, interrupt. whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Stop everything. Yeah. Uh, Cause uh, yeah, bad things are happening. Yeah. Uh, that's wow. He's busy. Lord Jesus. Amen. He is swear it. Yeah. It's that warfare we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah. My, my, my. He comes to kill, steal and destroy. That's what he does. Yeah, and he's oftentimes successful uh, at it too. Okay, Nico. Why, so I think yeah. no, go ahead. we left off. Uh, where'd we leave off at? Uh, uh, Luke? So no, we'll we... be moving to the Shield of Faith next. Okay. Okay, so <clears throat> let's talk about the Shield of Faith. That is the fourth piece of armor that God has given us. And so, uh, again, I'll do parallels a natural shield versus a spiritual shield that we have. So, a shield protects you from danger, risk, or other unpleasant experiences. It can enclose you and reduce impact of exposure. It provides shelter and security because you can hold the shield up to hide behind and things like that, but you can also use it to push um, the enemy back and things of that nature. So basically it can shelter you and provide security. So exercising faith, because God has given us the shield of faith, Exercising faith by acting on the word of God in your thoughts, speech, and action acts as a shield to enclose us to provide shelter and security and reduce impact of exposure to the enemy. Because we learned that the, the enemy, the analogy that was given is that the enemy is like shooting arrows, fiery darts at us. And we're supposed to use that shield of faith to quench every fiery dart. But if I don't understand how faith comes and what it is, how I operate in it, you can't quench the darts because you're not putting your shield of faith up. So let's start and we'll go to Romans 10 and 17 in the New King James Version to learn um, about faith. Like, how does it come? So it says here, so then, oh, um, I'm sorry. It's Romans 10. I, yep. I sorry. I went. Maybe I wonder if I put the wrong one up in here. Hold on. Let's... That's okay. Oh, there, there we go. go. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what God is teaching us is that faith comes when we hear the word of God. So remember I said each piece of armor is just the word of God used in a different way skillfully. Well, faith originates. The, the only source of faith is the word of God. So now let's look at how you exercise faith because that's that will determine whether you're actually using your shield of faith or not. So we're going to go to James chapter two and I'm going to read verses 17 and 26 in the complete Jewish Bible version. So again, that is uh, James chapter two, verse 17 and 26. So 17 says, thus faith by itself unaccompanied by actions also known as works and kjv is dead so let's pause 
if you are not accompanying actions to the word of God, because that's how faith comes. We got to put actions to the word we hear. And it, and it says faith comes by hearing, present tense. We need to be always actively hearing the word of God. That's why God tells us to meditate in his word day and night. It's not good enough to have heard the word. You need to constantly be hearing the word. It needs to constantly be on your mind because if the word is on your mind by default, Satan can't put all those thoughts of depression, hopelessness, despair, defeat in your mind. So we have to fill our mind with the word of God. And that will be a reminder for us to act on that word. Otherwise, your faith is dead. So now let's look at verse 26. He says here, indeed, just as the body without a spirit is dead, so too faith without actions is dead. It's not good enough to just sit and believe. And this is the same passage in, in James chapter two, where James makes the point, demons believe that God is one. But he made that point because they believe, but they don't exercise faith. They know what God's worth. They know God's word better than we know it, but they don't act on it. They don't follow nothing he say. So there's a difference between believing and faith. You can have belief without faith, but you can't have faith without belief because believing is just me simply admitting, acknowledging, accepting that God said this. Demons admit God said that. They acknowledge, they accept. I'm just not about to do nothing he said. So faith moves over into the ramp of now that I accept, admit, acknowledge God said these things, I believe it. I'm going to now put actions to what he said. He said that if I don't forgive, he won't forgive me. Let me put actions to that. I'm going to forgive people. Okay. He said, don't operate in fornication. I'm going to put actions to that. I'm not going to operate in fornication. He said, don't operate in witchcraft. Okay. I'm going to put actions to that. I'm not going to operate in witchcraft. He told me to operate in love. I'm going to put actions to that and operate in love. Every time you act on the word of God, that's you putting your shield of faith up. When you don't, it's just sitting down on the ground and all them arrows being shot at you and they're going right through your chest. That's why you hurting. So you see why you can't pray the shield of faith? You got to act on it. You have to live it. So I just said it, but let me just make sure I'm giving the full description of how to use the shield of faith. The way to wear and use the shield of faith is to put actions to the word of God and thought, speech, and behavior. And it will enclose you from sin, providing shelter and security to extinguish every fiery dart of the enemy. So I have an example. Let me read the example I wrote and then I'll just pause and let you know everybody uh, marry in. So when the enemy uses a person to attack you, because that's normally how the enemy comes through other people. When the enemy uses a person to attack you, Satan may tempt you to seek revenge on the person, which we all know is sin, because God says vengeance is mine. You must obey the word of God to not seek revenge since vengeance belongs to God and follow God's battle plan of the Lord to go attack the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness, the spiritual wickedness, the demons. That's who you got to attack, not the person. But people are too focused on the people and not the spirits behind the people. So our true enemy is not carnal. As we learned, our weapons are not carnal. Our enemy is not carnal. Our true enemy is not carnal, but spiritual. 
not seeking revenge will enclose you from sin. It's keeping you safe. Is you putting your shield of faith up? Like, uh, I'm not walking down that trap. I'm not about to cuss them out. I'm not about to sock them in the mouth. I'm not about to operate unforgiveness. No, that's you putting your shield of faith up, thus providing shelter and security from the fiery dart of Satan trying to deceive you and tempt you to operate in revenge and violence and all this and that. So seeking revenge would be you putting your shield down and exposing yourself to hit, be hit by all the fiery darts. And the same neighbor, because her daughter lives across the street that I um, had this lawsuit with, since they couldn't win against me, the guy that lived next door to me, they, they starting in on him now. So um, just for context, because I want you to show you how the enemy working. The the neighbor that I was in a lawsuit with um, and her family, they're Caucasian. Of course, I'm black. And my other neighbor is black. So he was walking. This would happen like just the other week. He was walking. He walked to the store and on his way walking back, the daughter was outside. She's Caucasian. He's black. She looks at him and calls him the N-word because she know it's going to get him riled up. Now, they don't say nothing to me because I won't acknowledge a presence or talk to them. And if she was to say that to me, it's not going to get me riled up. I'm just going to walk in the house. I know I'm not an N-word. I know you dumb. You're not valuable to me as in, in your thoughts and your opinions and things like that. But for him, oh, that set him off. So instantly, he started going in. He cussed her out. I mean, the whole block can hear this. They yelling back and forth at each other and she eating it up. She just love because that's what she, she works for Satan and she is loving every second. Then she goes into the house and lies on him, tells her husband, he said he was going to kill me. So then her husband comes out and now it's all three of them out on the, on the block, just going at it. And it was ugly. And so at the end of that, he ended up ringing my doorbell. And so I came out and I'm like, what's going on? So then he explains the whole thing. And I'm like, bro, why did you even do that? I'm like, you just plant into the enemy's hand, which you should have did. You should have kept walking and just went in your house. You know, you're not the N-word. You know, she's just trying to stir up trouble. The enemy is using her. And I'm like, you you looking at this all wrong. You cuss her and her husband out, but the true enemy are the demons using them. So I said, at the end of the day, what good did that do? What did that accomplish? And he had to admit, it didn't do nothing. It didn't accomplish nothing. And I'm trying to work with him because at least now he sees my lifestyle. He saw how I won against them. I mean, he was like, I see that you're different. I see you move different. And I see you get results. And so at least now he's starting to ring my doorbell so I can witness Christ to him, God's ways to him, and that he needs to come to God because he he he's a sinner. He admits that he's not. He, he hasn't come to God and he considering it. He's like, I know I need to do it, but I'm just not ready yet. And so you got to understand, I want to give practical examples of how the enemy will work. And just that easily, he failed. He didn't have a shield up and he's not born again. So he don't have a shield to begin with. But yeah. He's going to, he's going to act like the world because he is part of the world. I mean, he doesn't exactly. understand that principle. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Exactly. Well, that's sad though, that, uh, these people are something else <laughs> next. Oh I'm telling gosh. you, they're going from no. person to person. And they're person. just, yeah, they're just moving on to the next house. Yeah. Well, clearly, the, that's clearly the, that's the devil, right? Yeah. That's the devil, right? He's, he's seeking, yep. he's looking, he's, he's plotting and, and trying to, trying to wage attacks, you know, it, 
that's why I always say, you know, whenever, whenever I'm speaking to anybody, really, I mean, a lot of, a lot of times when I'm ministering to family, I always tell them, you know, the actions of others, you can't control. The one thing you can't control is your response to them. Yes. You know, you're going to have people say things that are offensive to you. You're going to have people challenge you. You're going to have people cut you down, even if, even if it's illegitimate. But the fact of the matter is you give them something when you react to it. And and the thing is, you're giving them the very thing that they don't, they may not even know that that's what they're seeking out, but that's what you're giving them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know that back in the day before I became, you know, before I got to a point of understanding and actually like realizing who I truly was, you know, being comfortable in my own skin, you know, because I came from, you know, a really broken home and a rough neighborhood and all, all sorts of things. When I finally got to that point, you know, I just... I realized how reactive I was and I just, cause I was the one, like you said, like before I was the one I, I would sock you in your mouth. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I, I got no problem. You know, I got no issue. You might, I mean, you might get, you might get another word out before you catch one, you know, cause that's, that's how quick I was to react. But the, a lot of that I realized now was, was my programming. That was my programming. It was my surroundings. It was, you know, it was, it was something that was ingrained in me by the ones that were teaching me, Yeah. you know, and it, it wasn't really until I could see the, the error in the teaching that I could see the errors that I made because of the teaching. Yeah. Um, and obviously I own my, I own my stuff, you know, I'm accountable for everything that I've ever done. You know, I've fallen on a thousand swords. That's the truth of it. But the one thing I have learned is in my response is the one thing I can control mm -hmm. and believe it or not, I think I've won more fights by not responding than yep. I ever did by actually responding Isn't that because, amazing? because they just give up. They just give up, you know, right away. They're just like, I can't, I can't get to you. So why am I even going to bother? Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think that's, that that's important is understanding that, especially in this time of spiritual warfare, that's what we've been talking about this whole time that these things are going to come, but how are you going to react to it when it comes? You know, I mean, I've dealt with it. I dealt with it a lot. You know, I worked with, I worked in the, in the city of Detroit downtown going into like some rough neighborhoods working for the cable company. And man, I had all sorts of things yelled at me being a white boy down there. I mean, and to be quite honest with you, there was times where I thought to myself, what am I doing down here? <laughs> like, like <laughs> why am I here? But, you know, I guess it was a value for me because I was, I was there for a purpose. I was there to try to help people with the situations that they were going through. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to help my family in the process, yeah. even if it put me in dangerous situations. And I, so I apply that to my very, my very own life, my ministry right now. Sometimes I could be in places where, you know, maybe I'm not safe in all the, in all degrees, but I know who covers me and I know what purpose I'm here for. And so that's, that's where I walk in. It's a, it's a God given authority that has been given to me, you know? And so I walk with that, mm -hmm. you know, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't thrown a punch in anger in years, but man, I used to, I swear. <laughs> I, I've repented a lot. I've broken so many bones in my hands. I swear it. Man. Lord forgive me. No, but I think that's really good because it just kind of takes me back to even looking back on the different wars that God has caused me to win, this shield of faith is really important because one, right? Remember the word 
faith comes through the word of God. So that could be the logos word that we read in Bible. It could be the rhema word, the noun word that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And when you're in warfare, I said earlier, the Lord is going to be speaking to you. He comes up, it's his job to come up with the strategies and the tactics. It's our job to execute it. So in everything, we're always following. We're not the ones creating the strategies and the plans. If you are, that's why you're losing because God knows how to win every situation in war. And so I'm not going to lie. There were things that when the word of God came and it required me to respond in faith by acting on what he said, I would be like, that's not aggressive enough, Lord. Um, <laughs> we should do this. Or like yeah. situations where he would be like, like you said, Matthew, a lot of stuff, he was just like, walk away. Don't say nothing. Don't look. So some people be like, so you gonna let them hold me? I'm, you gonna mm -hmm. let them pump me? No, right. I'm a ego then steps in and pride steps in. Now you're not doing what he said. So yeah. there were many occasions where um, I kind of had to check myself and I was just like, okay, he's God. He know what he's talking about. I may not like it. I may not think that this is aggressive enough yeah. of a move because you just saw what they did to me, Lord, but okay. So I'm going to do what you said. And and it, there were many situations over those two, two years. He would tell me, do this or don't do this. Okay, get these scriptures, meditate. Okay, now go to the police station, do this. Okay, now do this and do that. And in every instance, when the word came, because that was faith coming to me, I could either act on what he told me to do and obey, or I could be like, no, that's stupid. I'm not about to do that. I'm going to come up with a different plan. And so I really want you to see how that works real time in warfare the word is going to come to you through the Lord, whether it's scripture or whether it's the rhema word, and he's going to tell you what to do. If you do not obey the word, you just put your shield of faith down. Every dart is about to come through your chest, about to come through your head, about to come through wherever they aim it. And those people were firing. I'm telling you, they got bazookas out at me. They had arrows out at me spiritually trying to get me to fall. And every single time the Lord was like, you better put that shield of faith up. You better put a shield up that. You better wear your helmet. You better have your breastplate on. You better stand in true. Like I had to make sure I was walk. And here's the thing. If you automatically walk in the word of God and do, as I'm explaining, all these things, you're going to, your, your belt is going to be on. Your breastplate is going to be on. Uh, you're going to be walking in the gospel of peace. You're going to have your shield of faith up, but it all goes back to using the word of God skillfully in a different way. So I just want to make sure we're all seeing that as we go through these different pieces of armor. And that is why it's so essential to know the word of God. But then it's also essential to operate in obedience. You can't just know the word and then be like, oh, that was a good sermon. Oh, that was a good lesson. Now I'm going to go out here and do what I want to do. You know yeah. me? Amen. It's funny. It's funny you brought up suggesting things to God. I do that quite a bit sometimes, especially with the trials I've been in. I'm like, but then I always like, I'm like, Lord, you know the end from the beginning. Your mind is not my mind. Your ways are not my ways. So, but it's like he's got to sit there and like you wonder. I wonder what his reaction is. Like, is he laugh? He's got to laugh like most of the time because he knows us better than we know ourselves. So he's, you know, just like when you're, you know, I'm a dad, right? When my kids were little they say things and they think they know something, you know, and I'm like, well, why do you think that? You know, and obviously I know from experience, it's not going to work, but you let them play it out. And I'm sure God does that with us too, where he just kind of like sits back. He's like, okay, have it your way. Let's just see where this goes. <laughs> and then he, or it's sometimes, well. <laughs> you know, he, yeah, it's not going to go well, but uh, well, it, is, it is funny. I know he's got a sense like, of humor. That's for sure. I know he's yeah, got a sense yeah. of humor. Oh, he's definitely, couple, yeah. He's, there's been several times in my life. I'm like, okay, I get it. 
Joke's yeah. on me. <laughs> like I get oh, it. I'll tell you. You got Matt, me. <laughs> you know he's got a. You know he's got a sense of humor in some of the dreams that he's given me. He oh, uses like me. metaphors and and things like that. And it's it's funny. Like when I go, I was just talking to someone about this the other day. You go back and you read the dreams and you see like a, a metaphor he used that you'll understand. And it's funny. Like it's like a play on words or something. You're like, oh my gosh, I get it. That's funny, Lord. Like, like he it is. He he plays with his children. You know, he's he's. He loves us. So, of course, he's going to speak to us in whatever way is necessary at that moment in our life, uh, just That's like right. a good father would. Mm-hmm. That's, That's right. right. Mika, we're at, uh, we're at two hours, eight minutes. It's totally up to you. I have I don't, Matt, you uh, on any time restraints? No, I, I mean, think... other than okay. the fact I, that I, I, I do I'm, need to use I'm the not restroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to Mika. Mika, well, if you want to continue I mean, and finish it out. I you... would. It's just that I know, like, that last piece, has a lot of scriptures okay and so to make it a substantial show maybe we should just curtail it here and then let's I'll come back with the let's the do last can time. you do can you do next wednesday oh yeah i can do next wednesday okay. I'll come back. all right well let's let's finish it up next wednesday um yeah let's do that so we're at what are we at the helmet of salvation is that where we're yeah well, well yeah we'll be starting back with the fifth piece of armor which is the helmet of salvation Okay. So we'll leave awesome. a little yeah. cliffhanger for everybody. Ooh, you gotta come right. back next <laughs> Wednesday. Back. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that was great, Miko. Just so thorough as always and uh, always appreciate your gifts and calling and in operating. Absolutely. Them. It's awesome. It's Matt, isn't it cool when you see people walking when when you you can just see the gift in somebody when they're operating it. You just you recognize it right away. And I every time Miko comes on, I'm just like Man, that's such an awesome gift. It's so cool. Like <laughs> she's she can just take take the word from all over scripture, put it together, and it's succinct and it makes sense and it's teachable, learnable, like all those things that you need to do. And she's a teacher. I appreciate that so much. She is. She's that that's is for sure. gift and calling, and it's amazing. Well, um, audience guys on uh, Rumble and Foxhole, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. We appreciate you as yeah, always. Yeah. Pr- we're prayers out to the to the state of Maine and what's going on. I guess there's yes. three different locations now. Um, yeah, we don't know exactly what's going on, but we just pray. That well, the Lord will real quickly, pray, while pray I just, there. I mean, just real quickly, while we were we were going through, I just checked on there, and apparently there's an active shooter that keeps moving around. He's still at large, but keeps going into places and opening fire. So that's what's happening. No, still obviously at large. No one knows the motive. No, uh, no the but they do have like pictures and they're circulating like camera footage and, and things like that around trying to figure out who this person could be. But he's, he's already like hit three different locations in from what I gathered three different towns. Mm-hmm. So they have like a state of emergency in Maine where they're locking it down and they're telling people to stay in their homes and to stay off the road so that way the the roadways are clear for the responders okay so yeah that was just a little brief of what i read i mean it seems like it's changing by the minute yeah sure. lord have mercy so. yep uh guys you guys can uh, check out amico's uh ministry gather ministries inc.org uh it's a great website lots of information there you can get in touch if you need to uh, Bible lessons, helping hand, testimonials, gallery, and uh, you can take action. Also, the YouTube channel has some great content there. Gather Ministries uh, on YouTube. And Miko, are you on? Um, I know you're on TikTok, but are are you on Twitter? No, I'm not on Twitter. No? I've never okay. been into like the typing. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. What about your, but you are on Facebook, correct? Yeah, I we're on right. Facebook, Gather okay. Ministry. Yeah. Thing. yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I put that in, in the uh, description below the video. So guys, check that out on Rumble, also on Foxhole in the description box. You can locate all of her um, uh, coordinates, as they say. Matt, <laughs> thank, thank you, sir. Miko, as always, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. That yeah, was great. Always a pleasure. And I can't wait till next Wednesday. We will finish up next Wednesday, folks, if you want to. Uh, you're, you're, this is the thing that I've noticed. Every time Miko's on, I got to rewatch it a couple times. <laughs> There's just too much. <laughs> There's a lot there. So you got to like just I keep know. going through it. I'm sorry. Which is awesome. No, that's a good thing. That is a, that's not a it's bad a thing. It's a meaty meal. It's a meaty meal. That is. It's, it's steak and potatoes. It's heavy yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's a meaty yeah. meal. We're talking those red letter, those red letter lessons. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, have a blessed evening. Um, thank you for joining us. And we will see you tomorrow night. Rescue the Fosters, 730. Me and Sylvia uh, are going to be doing a show with. Oh, I can't say that. There was something I was going to say, but now we can't. I just thought of that. So I'm glad I caught myself. He's going to be a great guest and he's doing multiple things. But one of the things I can't tell you yet. <laughs> Talk about a cliffhanger. That's not good. Yeah, Sorry. secrets. I love them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good thing, but he can't reveal it yet. Anyway, we'll see you tomorrow, hopefully seven thirty, right here, same place, same channel. Take care, have a great night, God bless. Good night, everyone. You still here? It's over. Go home. Go.